Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. recently sat down with a very special individual to talk about nostalgic and noteworthy pursuits in the world of graphic design and of printing, specifically something called Letraset. I'll let our guest tell you all about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of Letraset, but first, allow me to introduce our guest. I met Jonathan at the beginning of the year of 2021 in a typography course I was teaching in our continuing education certificate. He has intrigued and inspired me ever since our first encounter, and I want to read his exact bio to you because he is a gifted writer and I think it's pretty magical. Jonathan Vallelli is a queer writer, zinester, and organizer based in Toronto. He is the editor of Broken Pencil Magazine. Vallely has, of course, written for other magazines. Between you and me, though, he's much better in person than on the page. He is frequently seen fretting, schmoozing, and scheming at self-publishing festivals in surprising places. A clock tower in the Lakes District, a huge park in Bogota, a creaky squat in Amsterdam, and the exquisite library basements that dot the Canadian prairies, to name a few. JV obsesses promiscuously, sometimes over old things like Letraset and mimeographs, sometimes over new things like fast trains, and often over important things like knowing the neighbors and abolishing prisons. He is not hard to find, but good luck getting him to sit still. So good, right? In this conversation, Letraset becomes the jumping off point for broaching deeper questions about the relationship between design and technology, including the opportunities for and the importance of changing the digital lens through which most modern design is filtered through, as well as the ways in which technologies produce ways of thinking rather than simply containing or constraining them. So my name is Jonathan Vallely. I am a student in the graphic communications management program at a certificate program at Ryerson. And I'm also a magazine editor. So I edit a small magazine called Broken Pencil Magazine. And I'm a zinester and general creative uh, around town in Toronto. I should do it, right? That works. I love that. <laughs> so today we're here talking all about this idea or this concept of Letraset. And for anyone listening who has no idea what on earth Letraset is, how would you best describe it? So Letraset is a lettering system that was applied and used by designers, both amateur and professional, um, to apply type to their compositions for a good part of the 20th century. And it's maybe familiar to people if you picture a sheet with letters of the alphabet on it in order, but a lot more E's than there are K's and a lot more A's than there are, you know, X's because they were kind of these grids of letters that were 
laid out based on how many times you might you might use these letters. And they were applied by rubbing them down from above. So you kind of lay your sheet down and use a burnisher or just a ballpoint pen and, and kind of smush <laughs> the letter onto the page and it would release from the, the sheet you had and become beautiful type on your on your page. I remember this vividly as a child using <laughs> Letraset and whether it was like Letraset or knockoff Letraset from like the dollar store, I don't know what it was, but <laughs> I remember vividly doing this process of taking a popsicle stick and rubbing over the letter and the letter transferring, moving from the sheet that I was working on, transferring onto the paper. And it was such magic even as a child. Totally. And so so you said it was traditionally used kind of for the better part of the 20th century in the world of of kind of um, typography, design, printing. How can you maybe expand on that? How was it actually used? Sure. Yeah. And, and I should correct myself. It really kind of came about in the 50s and faded by the 90s, um, thanks to digital design. Um, it was used. So like I said, it, it sort of had professional applications and amateur applications, which I find really interesting about it. It was at big newspaper and magazine design studios. You might have big flat files full of, just like you would with type um, in the letterpress era, flat files full of sheets of different weights and sizes of different fonts for different purposes. Um, and they and kind of pull this one out and, um, and use it for, you could be laying out a headline, you could be laying out a an ad, which is one pretty common use of them. And then you might just be laying out your church bulletin near an old lady named Peg in like, you know, Missoula. And this is the way you have to, to, to lay this out. And you might even still be writing it on your mimeograph and all the other old obscure technologies that would go along with it. So it really was an accessible um, medium. That said, if you were really skilled at Letraset, it showed. And if you were maybe a little bit less, um, either trained or um, committed with regards to um, precise placement that sometimes showed as well. So it, it ran the gamut. Oh, yeah, that's super interesting to me. And so this was really a design and layout tool. Yes, yeah. The Letraset kind of process was uh, enabled someone, uh, anyone, again, you said it was very accessible. So it enabled someone to kind of lay out and think through how type is laid out on a page. And then from there, what happens? Oh, so that would often be directly the the master would would have the Got it. on it. And I should have clarified that. What it wouldn't be is typesetting large blocks of body text. So this is much more likely to be used for headlines or any sort of display display type that you want to grab someone's attention. And there are some beautiful display types that available in Letraset um, for precisely that purpose. Where you know there's no reasonable way you you do use this for. A big long paragraph and even with yeah i think even after a couple of sentences you're kind of looking at way too much time rubbing these things down and that's where people would go back to using even things like negatives and ruby lists and all the various other typesetting tools that there were at the time what this did was a quick way to figure out where's my headline going to go Right. That makes tons of sense. Now, I'm curious how you use Letraset today because you are kind of a Letraset. Can I call you a Letraset geek? Is that, a th oh, is that, yeah. is that offensive? <laughs> not at all. It is so <laughs> not offensive. Um, so I use, I use Letraset today as part of my zine making and my artistic practice. And also at work at Broken Pencil, I sometimes use it. 
because people in the DIY publishing and zine scene kind of are familiar with it and like it, um, it's sometimes a good choice for getting at that kind of punk DIY aesthetic that we want to go for. I also use it, I make cards for people with it. I label my books. You know, I, I use it for, for everything because it is something, It's I find it very calming actually, that, that motion. And I find it like just puts the brakes on everything for a minute. You have to really kind of like pay attention and slow down and place these things letter by letter. And that's something I could really use and I do because it's just very meditative for me. So that's for me, but very few people really do use Letraset. And if they do, it's a novelty. Um, it's funny you mentioned the dollar store because the dollar store is probably the only place that you can buy like new dry transfer, as they call it, dry transfer lettering these days. And often it's like a weird decal and, you know, maybe like a couple letters if you're lucky, um, but they're really hard to find and, and you can order custom like decals that you might use for your car and stuff like that, that are similar processes, but there aren't really lettering sheets the way they are. So, um, I hoard them, <laughs> but I, uh, I use them for lots of different things. Yeah. That's super interesting. And, and I think the, as you said, the meditative aspect or the fact that you kind of have to slow down and it's part of this artistic process and, and the, the slowing down is a big part of that process and a, a big part of what makes it kind of still special and still such uh, an important part of your artistic practice. Mm -hmm. And from a design perspective, I think there is, yes, the sort of handmade aesthetic that comes if you are using older letter set, which does crack and doesn't always go down perfectly. And just if you're not aligning them perfectly, though letter set, the company and its brilliance, they include the little dashes on the bottom of each letter that are sort of for lining up letters. So that's called spacematic. So very, oh. I know it sounds very high tech that sometimes works. Sometimes it's not exactly the spacing I would choose, you know, the, the kerning always needs a, a human eye. There's ways to make it look very, very professional, but everyone wants that crack. You know, everyone wants that little bit of, you know, it's a little bit misaligned and that's something you can't actually always get with digital design. And I think, I personally am a little bit um, resistant to what I think of as the adobification of design where like all of design <laughs> is through this particular paradigm that really is Adobe's wonderful, soft, powerful softwares that have trained us to think about design in a certain way. And when I think about Letraset, I think about sort of an anti-Adobe, like there's really, sure there are rules, but they're just breaking all the time, even if you aren't meaning to. And you end up with really, sometimes perplexing choices that are really effective. One person I'd point out as a great example of this is Emery Douglas, who was the designer for the Black Panther Party in the 70s and for the Black Panther newspaper, which is a really beautiful, um, beautiful publication. If you've ever seen it, I highly suggest checking it out. But he really used letter set and type in the most unexpected ways. And he sometimes mixed like six, seven typefaces in one composition and he used the words to be like a headline and then also to be a speech bubble and to be like a, um, a t-shirt, all left or set kind of looking the same in the same composition that kind of flatten these political concepts. And I find that so powerful and effective. And so using something analog in this way that typically is gonna get digitalized anyway, my final product, if I'm making something for a website or whatever, um, it just feels like claiming claiming, you know, our own lane of design just a little bit, even as we all still use in, in design and illustrator as well.
you said so much there that I want to kind of unravel and unpack, but the adobification of, <laughs> of that term, the, the adobification of design. And while, yeah, I'd never thought of it that way, but you're right. So by creating these different pieces of software that are essential and are really kind of um, so important to mass produced anything in our industry, it because of the way, because of the backend coding, because of the people who have built the software, we see design a different way perhaps now than we did when there were kind of fewer constraints or fewer kind of technologies in the background driving some of our decisions, like things uh, just off the top of my head, um, like you said, kerning tables and and the kind of the auto kerning that goes on or or the default letting right between spaces that that. Uh, that 120 percent of the of of the size of type. So, yeah, it's really interesting to me that a technology or a very kind of almost like an arts and craft material these mm. days can help us rethink the way in which we perceive our design work or the the lens through which we view our own work. The medium is the message. You know, it, it comes back to that. And, and I would also, not just McLuhan, who's, of course, wonderful, but it makes me think about Thomas J. Kuhn, who wrote the, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it. It's about scientific revolutions, the history of scientific revolutions. And he sort of introduces the idea of the paradigm and the way that technologies produce ways of thinking, not just contain or constrain, but really generate whole collective ways of thinking. And I think that obviously you look at a big medium like the printing press as the classic option, but even down to things like Letraset and my giant stack of old Letraset <laughs> in my bedroom, uh, you know, can can really inform how we how we think about these things. So interesting. So interesting. But how did you actually get interested in this world of Letraset? Like where did mm. you where did you kind of where did this passion develop from? You know, just like a, a tidal wave, it came and walked <laughs> over me. No, no, I, there, I do have a story. Uh, I, I guess it was it was not so long ago. I think it was at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, or no, a little before that. It was my birthday, and my partner surprised me with a couple letter set sheets. And he knows that I'm a zinester and that I'm a, in general, like to do stuff with my hands. But I was like, oh my God, where, where did you get this? And what is this? And he said, he said, you don't remember like a couple months ago, you pointed out a zine you were reading and you said, ah, oh, look at that. She's using all this cool old clip art. Like he also gave me some old, like old school clip art books. And I said, like, he pointed out that I had been reading a zine and, and sort of saying something jealous about how much cool letter set and clip art a friend of mine had used. And I was like, I don't remember that at all. I, don't even I was like, letter set, I think I know what this is. And I went to town and I started just, playing with it and they were like four sheets there and I was like this is not enough more so set, I, please yeah exactly so then I started trying to track some down and um and then it became a bit of an addiction to, to or some, some, some sort of obsession at least um with with letter set yeah Listen, it feels like a safe addiction, a fun addiction. Thank uh, you so I, much. I, would, <laughs> I endorse this addiction. Yeah, ask him about it. <laughs> He's like, what have I done? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's um it's such an obscure medium in like the best possible way. And I 
I now want to go to the dollar store and just <laughs> scoop up any and all dry rub transfer sheets yeah. that I can find because I haven't played with it since I was a kid. And it seems like such an interesting medium in which to kind of just break all the rules. As you said, there are no rules. You've got all of these individual pieces. And while you could fit them together in a very uniform puzzle and you could you could be very orderly with it, you could also do weird things with it. You could also... The, the There is no constraint in that respect and into a grid or to a layout. So interesting. Yeah. Even if you run out of letters, you just make it out of a couple other letters. Yes, you can piece like it that. together. Oh, yeah. There's so much you can do. And um, I'm glad that you sort of talked about going to the dollar store and, and using them because these vintage letter set sheets, like are, they're kind of hard to find. Like if you search eBay, you'll find them. People sell them for like 10 bucks a sheet, which uh -huh. like you can do. But that's really expensive. And then you got to deal with shipping and all of that. So I have gotten a few off eBay, I will admit. Um, but getting the knockoff ones like Geotype or Press Type or whatever um, is always a good idea. And just keeping your eye out on Facebook Marketplace and Kijiji, that's where I've gotten mine. Um, and I, I meet these people who are collectors who like are really precious about it. And they don't want to use them. And I'm like, I'm using all of these sheets. Like there are certain ones that I'm saving for a special occasion. I will not lie, but I am using them. Like they're, they're not getting any better. Like they're not going to work any better in 10 years. They're going to work a lot worse because humidity and dryness and whatever can really mess them up. Um, yeah, both, right? You would, somewhere in the middle, you got to keep them apparently. And also just, um, yeah, like these things were meant to be used. And I, I met the last batch of letters that I got, I got really lucky. It was a guy in London, Ontario. And I got a bunch of him, like, two big boxes that have at least a thousand each in them <gasps> and he um he told me they were and they were very well organized he told me they were his grandfather's collection his grandfather was the in-house designer for labat and so all of these old labat ads if you look at it, you can see traces of letter set and i have the collection that you know wow one way or another led to that so um if you get it use it as my approach there's especially people who use there's also images that that are called action transfers the letter set made that are like superheroes um, that are like super collectible and those people don't use them. And I'm like, oh, I just want to get an action transfer and just use it in front of a bunch of <laughs> collectors just to, just to be like, look, it also does something. It's not just something to own. The equivalent of like unboxing a pristine action figure or something, like oh, just yeah. playing with an action figure in front of them. And, like, ah! no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they're really cool, those images. And there's also all kinds of letter set patterns and images that they made besides the lettering that I think are um, pretty neat, especially the shading patterns. Real genuine use of letter set in the wild today is um, mangaka, who are the artists who do manga in Japan, which is, you know, comics. They use letter set and knockoff shading patterns for their comics. So if you look at a comic, you'll often notice that the shadow is like an off awesome stippling pattern or lines or whatever. And they use Letraset like in their compositions still today or knockoffs like Japanese versions of it. Wow, that's so interesting. I would never have thought that it would translate to almost like modern book production or modern totally. artistic practice that that we see still in the wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're making a lot of manga still out in Japan. So, you know, I guess sometimes you got to keep up. It's pretty cool. And when somebody explained that to me now, I can't stop seeing it whenever I see, see manga. And some of it is, of course, digitally applied. But there are people still using these these analog pressed down patterns on their on their compositions. So I love it. You oh I'm so excited now. I am I am literally I'm gonna going get you to a sheet. 
Oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I got to bring you a seat for sure. I've got to make a dollar store trip anyway today for my uh, my child needs Play-Doh for her class. Her teacher asked yes. for Play-Doh. So I need to go get Play-Doh. Maybe some for myself too. Some Play-Doh for yeah. myself. And also <laughs> a letter set sheet. I'm going to... I don't know if Dollarama has it. I think... Okay. If you got to go to kind of like the... the like the Dollar party. Tree? <laughs> yeah. Like I've only okay. seen them at Dollar Stores in America. Oh, but that's God. not to say they don't exist at Dollar Stores in Canada. You just got to go to like the off-brand maybe because i'll remember they want to type it so funny so i have to go to an off-brand <laughs> dollar store to get my off-brand letra set okay i'm on it Something like, like i maybe I have... i'll just bring you a couple of sheets i've got a few to spare but now it's a mission now it's fun now I, now i'm True. on an adventure True. let me know what you find let me know what you find i've got my massive to-do list today but i just want to throw it all out the window and go <laughs> letra set hunting in the wild See, this is how I know you're my people. <laughs> oh, amazing. All right. So, Jonathan, I have one final question for you. Oh, I'm dreading this one. And the question is kind of talk, paper, scissors tradition with some of my guests who are type geeky, geekified guests. And mm -hmm. that question is, if you had to choose only one typeface to use for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? What is like your desert island typeface? This is such a hard question, and I, I haven't I haven't heard that many of the episodes where people decide, but I know that everyone agonizes a little bit. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I thought about this for a long time as I was falling asleep last night, because I knew I would have to answer this in the morning. I thought I'd let it marinate overnight. And as I was falling asleep, should I only just say one, because I can say what I was almost going to say. Say what you were almost going to say. Tell me what you dreamt. I was, right, I was like, I was falling into sleep, and I, I just... I said, I, I was thinking Garamond, of course, oh, of course. which is just a huge family and also lots of different varieties. So I thought maybe I was getting away with something. But when I woke up and I was thinking about Letraset, I went a complete 180. And I think I would say Universe, oh. which is a really common Letraset sheet and is one that I, I see myself reaching for very often whenever I'm thinking, what am I going to, you know, which one am I going to use for this or that? I'm going for the Universe all the time it's just very versatile it's a it's a nice sans serif which is something i don't always necessarily want to choose but i know is going to make be easier for someone to read a lot of the time and um and it's it's kind of undersung these days it's kind of gotten drowned out in the bazillions of sans serifs uh i don't think it's an adobe font you know so maybe that's part of it um but it's it's a special one I'm go okay now. Now my task is to go to an off-brand dollar store to find an <laughs> off-brand letter set uh, kit and find it in Universe. You know, no, no guarantees that that exists. <laughs> <laughs> you know, try for you know, give yourself a time limit. <laughs> I, I've got yeah. It's been weeks. I'm trudging through the <laughs> the dollar stores all across Ontario. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Thank you. No, that's that is a great answer. And I I uh, you may have been getting away with something. A little bit with the Garamond, but <laughs> I think both are excellent choices. So, you're mm -hmm. it was that uh, you're yeah, really great. So thank Cheers. you so much, Jonathan, for being here and for chatting everything Letraset and design. And I think you've given us all a few things to think about and getting back to some really good analog materials for when we are thinking about the compositions that we're making and we're thinking about the the message that we're sending to ourselves perhaps and to the audience when we use only digital tools all the time sometimes it does need to be shaken up and Letraset is a perfect way to do that yeah thank you so much for having me i'm always glad to proselytize about uh 
rubbed down lettering, um, Letterset for life. So really nice to chat. Hashtag not sponsored by Letterset. We promise. No, no, they close in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> if only. <sighs> Thanks. Thanks.